Standing there alone, the ship is waiting. All systems are go. Are you sure? Control is not convinced, but the computer has the evidence. No need to abort. The countdown starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Third degree burn is go. Welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and with me as always, my cohort in crime, Brian Hughes. Hey, how's it going? It's going, Brian. How's uh, how's life treating you? Life, uh, well, as, as Norm would say, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk bone <laughs> underwear. No, actually, actually, things are actually uh, pretty good. I, it's, um, it, it's funny, you know, over the past couple of months, I've been getting a little worried because I was just like my memory wasn't working as good as it was before. And um, it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I was like, is something going on here? Do I really have something to worry about? Is it diabetic related or something else? And what it, what it came down to is this, there was a lot of stress going on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home, at work, everywhere. You know, my son was sick. My wife had back surgery. A lot of, you know, a lot of stuff going on, and, you know, not just there and even with the in-laws and, you know, and, and, and all that. And I was just like stressing out and it was, you know, creating stress at work. And I wasn't, you know, I was just having a really hard time concentrating on everything and remembering everything. And so that affected my ability to get anything done at work and at home and all that. And, you know, over the holidays and, you know, everything else that's gone on, it, it, all that is really melted away. And I seem to be a lot sharper. That's good. Than, than, than before. My memory seems to be working the way it is. And I realize, okay, so it's stress. I just have to not care about anything. <laughs> and maybe I can move on okay. <laughs> or your wife stopped poisoning you. That may be it too. You know, ever since she started uh, back up with uh, H&R Block, you know, I, I, I think that's also... Maybe it was just getting her out of the house. She stopped, nah, she stopped nope, putting nah. mercury in your drink. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... What are we going to do tonight? Do you want to tell people what we're going to... Yeah, I guess I will. You know, the thing is, is we've been covering a lot of different uh, things over the last couple months, and I don't know that we've had really a standard show. Um, No, not really. You know, because we've had the guys, David and John on, and and we've done our Christmas thing, and we did uh, Rise of Skywalker a couple weeks ago, and... uh, and all that. But t- uh, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to do another top five episode. And of course, last time we did what the top five issues uh, or stories, sing- single issues, yes, yeah. or single yeah, stories. Yeah. Uh, tonight, it's go- or today is going to be the top five burn creations. And, uh, you know, I really didn't put a lot of uh, direction on what you had, what you could or could not select because, you know, obviously there are a lot of things that he created as co creator. Like right. he, he, he's got co-creator uh, credit for Ant-Man and he's got co-creator credit for the scourge of the underworld yeah, where he was, was simply, 
the simply the artist on those and uh but again you know the the, the scourge one was one that always surprised me because he wasn't even the first one to draw him in the books i think luke luke mcdonald in iron man was the first one to mm -hmm. actually show him of course but at, in that one it was a, as a bag lady you know you never saw that um that skull in the cowboy duster look that was in yeah, you uh, well you rarely uh, saw because he was usually disguised something like a, as a like a regular citizen or something yeah I think the I think he only showed up once in Burns Run. That was in because uh, he killed Basilis in an well, FF episode. Is that right? Yeah, but he, but he got hammer and anvil in the uh, mm. Marvel fanfare that was That's part true. of the Hulk, Hulk storyline. But yeah, that was the, the Basilis. Yeah, yeah, he was like a construction worker in that one. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, and then so it's like that. You know, there's things like that that are in there. But again, you know, there's other things that he's been you know heavy heavily involved. In creating, especially the stuff he did with Chris Claremont on the X-Men, where they were both plotting together, and a lot of things that came out of that was, was part of him. Uh, and, you know, of course, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about some of that as we get into them. And then, of course, there was the things that he was sole creator of, like the things that you saw that he created in Superman, you know, like, say, the Silver Banshee. Yeah. That, that was his, you know, sole creation. Um but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of latitude. Then, of course, there's the teams like Alpha Flight and Great Lakes Avengers and uh, characters like Babe and, and, and things like that. That I, I don't know that people what, what people are thinking in regards to all those. But once we get into it and we start going into our top five and you know, we'll have some honorable mentions in there, I'm sure that uh, we'll invite some debate and discussion. Good. Sounds like fun. But before we do that, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I mean, you know, personal life stuff and uh, entertainment and just whatever. So what do you want to talk about before we get into that? Well, I we, we were talking off air and you had mentioned uh, Mandalorian, which yes. wrapped up its season. And I don't remember if we had discussed that any during our uh, Rise of Skywalker, but... If we had, then you're going to hear it again. Uh, and then also we're going to talk about Picard, because I'm kind of itching to talk about uh, that show that I watched that, finally watched that last night. And I've got a lot of a lot of questions on that. So uh, you've seen, you've, you've watched all The Mandalorian, right? Yes, I, actually I've watched them several times, each oh, one. I haven't watched them more, and I kind of need to go back and watch them again, because some mm -hmm. are short. Some are like 30, you know, like 45 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. I just haven't had you know, finding the time to do it, but um, because sometimes you'll find new things. Or something will settle with you differently if you watch it again. Yeah, well, um, it, it's funny because like that the Jawa episode really didn't set with me good the first time I watched it. Really, you didn't because I thought that was always got was considered pretty highly praised. Well, I, and and it was, and and, and you know, again going back and watching it uh, another time. Actually, I think I watched it more than just one more time. I watched it two or three times. Um, that you know, I found so many things in it to like. Uh, also knowing, you know, that he gets the gets the the razor crest put back together so easily, I, I did have pro a problem with that. Oh yeah, to help. Yeah, not to help him. Yeah, I have spoken, but uh, <laughs> but it, you know, just it it bugged me at first that it, it was so damaging and he was able to just slap it back together. But you know, beyond that, um, you know, I really didn't have much complaints about any of the whole ser the series as a whole, and. You know, some people thought some of the middle episodes were filler episodes, and I didn't see it that way. They all added a layer onto what was going on. Yeah, I, didn't, I, I had one problem throughout the whole series, and that was, uh, I guess, put a little spoiler, spoiler warning here, was in the the final episode when he takes his helmet off. We see him, and I don't right. think we should see. We I don't think we should see him. I think either... they, they they should have kept that off screen. 
Exactly. Have you know, him take you, it you, off. That's fine. But don't. Yeah. We should never see his face. At least not this early. Maybe next season, season after that. But you know, I understand you're an actor. You want to you want to go throughout the whole series with nobody seeing your face, and I can understand that. But that was I, a pretty uh, pretty. That was one of those things where you have to have a lot of humi- humility to show your face like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he looked like Oscar the Grouch in a garbage <laughs> can. Uh, <laughs> but the but, real, you know, we have to admit that the real star of this show, is Baby Yoda, or the kid, or the child. What was it? Favreau f- prefers the, the child. The foundling, the foundling? What, they, what they were referring to it at one point. But it's funny because, you know, they referred to the, the baby Yoda as the foundling, but they also referred to the Mandalorian as a foundling because the other Mandalorians found him right. when, when his family was killed by the, the droid army. Yeah. And we, we discover maybe I, I, I'm not, I don't really have any history with the Mandalorian other than Boba Fett. So I don't really don't know anything about him. I haven't read the books or anything. So we find that the Mandalorian are not so much a race as a kind of a club. You get, you know, initiated into it. But I don't know if that had been established prior to that, any of the, the books or comics or anything like that. You, you know, and I don't honestly remember if they did. And again, you know, I didn't, I, I even went before, um, uh, everything was taken over by Disney and the uh, expanding universe was wiped out. Uh, I never took much stock in the books or even the comics as canon because, you know, just when you, when you're dealing with licensed property like that, and then you've got all these different people coming in, it just seemed like a lot of people were not paying attention to what they really saw and just told the story they wanted to tell using the star Wars, you know, universe as their springboard. Yeah. And and so, you know, you can say this is canon now and they used it to really, really good effect because the day before Rise of Skywalker premieres, they have the episode where Baby Yoda heals Grief Karga, showing that they can use the force to heal someone. Yeah, and I'm sure that was that was strategically planned to do that. Yeah, before. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. I just wish that, you know, that, that Kathleen Kennedy or whoever's in power there at Disney in looking at Star Wars had planned out the the sequel trilogy as well as the Mandalorian was planned out. I mean, they didn't know from one movie to the next what was going to happen. I, th- I think that and I think we talked about it in Rise of Skywalker. These yeah. last three movies don't have a they don't seem to have a common roadmap, right? Or, or, or a common guiding hand the way you know Lucas oversaw it. What you know, say what you will about the prequels, they're all they seem to be a cohesive set of movies. These are right. a little schizophrenic. So uh, I haven't. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen Rise of Skywalker more than once? I've seen it twice. Okay. I saw it. I saw it the first week, and we went uh, again the next very next week and watched it again. And that that was part because you know Beth was so tired she fell asleep uh-huh. the first time. I mean she was you know just so upset when she woke up and realized she'd fallen asleep because it was actually during a pretty frenetic scene that she did fall asleep. Wow. But again, when you're dealing with these XD uh, stadium seating comfy it's chairs it's they got the heaters <laughs> built into them and you know we're in our late 40s early 50s yeah it's easy to fall asleep yeah. i i mean i fell asleep during rogue one and um you know it, again it was because i was comfortable not because the movie I, I guess the movie did kind of drag at the beginning yeah but this this movie didn't drag rise no no not it's almost i thought it was almost it was like a series but, of jump cuts jumping back and forth so quickly yeah, but going back to the Mandalorian, um, that right there, there was some great world building, universe building in there, especially in that last episode. 
And what they did with Moff Gideon, what they did with IG-11, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, every, every aspect of that episode just gave you so many bites at the apple from different angles that was just like, okay, now this this is Star Wars, and this is cool Star Wars. This is what, And this is what Boba Fett should have been, but for whatever reason wasn't. And, you know, I mean, Lucas never apparently had a whole lot of of uh, love for Boba Fett, and he was always surprised that people just liked him so much. It surprised me. Why? I mean, look at his screen time. It's really very small. Yeah, but, how... you know, in, in, the, in the very first one, in Empire Strikes Back, when you see him, you know, there's that no disintegrations. And so yeah. you're, you you realize, okay, there's something about this guy that makes him different from everybody else. And then he's the one guy that actually figures out what Han Solo's doing. Yeah, he's, he's and and, and he, he's pretty good about you know maneuvering him into Darth Vader together. Yeah, he I mean, yeah he's I, I think he has a much more of a presence in, in Empire, and he's more threatening. And his little his little bit that he has in Jedi, and he's kind of played as a joke, and he just yeah he's gone. And it's like yeah, we we'll just let's just get him off the playing board and get rid of him. So and then they, they do the same thing with Darth Maul, kinda. Kinda. I mean, Darth Maul at least had a, a better death, you know. But it wasn't the death. It wasn't his death. That's the problem. Well, yeah, we they find didn't that out. let him stay dead. We find that, we find that out later. But uh, um, but uh, what did you think about that that last reveal with Moff Gideon and the and the I call it the black saber because that's what they would I thought that's what they were referring to in Rogue One black saber. I don't know. I don't know what that was when he when he cuts his way out. The spoilers for Mandalorian. When he cuts his way out of the, of the uh, TIE fighter, and it's like, well, it's not a, a lightsaber. What is that? And I had no, it's, I guess they show it in Rebels. Is that right? It, it, either Rebels or Clone Wars. One of those. It shows up in that, so people were very excited to know what it was. But, but it was a Mandalorian tool. It's a, yeah, it's one of their weapons. So maybe he's, uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know anything he's about a, that He's character. a Mandalorian killer is what yeah. he is. So, yeah, so yeah. maybe he's a, that's kind of like a trophy. You know, he gets, yeah. he gets the weapon, so. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool to have, you know, Gus Fring as your uh, as your bad guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, he won't get his face, half his face blown off. But... <laughs> It'll get sliced off, probably. Yeah. I, liked it. Be... I liked it a lot. And uh, speaking of other things we liked, uh, Picard. I watched uh. that yesterday. And when I first, I watched it in kind of bits. And I was, I watched, when it first came out, I watched like the first 10 minutes while I was getting ready for work. And I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure. And it was it had a lot to do with the way it was filmed. It, the lighting is different. It's more cinematic. It looks more like a film. Uh, it doesn't have that kind of flat studio lighting that um, Next Gen had and, you know, all the all the standard series. But it, when it I watched made it, me think I, more Generations in the way it was doing the lighting. Well, you, absolutely, that first scene was, yeah, because remember yeah. when you watched Generations for the first time, like, what? Turn the lights on. Why is it so, yeah. so dark in here? Uh, but I watched all of it, and I need to watch it again, and I've listened to a podcast on it that covers Star Trek, and uh, I liked it. I, I think Honeywell said it was the most Star Trek, Star Trek-y thing he's seen in a long time. And uh, I'll agree with that, if, you know, because I'm not going to count the J.J., the Kelvin verse, and I'm not going to count Discovery. Uh, I mean, this is the most Star Trek-y thing I've seen since Enterprise went off the air. Um, but I liked it a lot. I, uh, oh, and this will be spoilers because we're going to talk about this episode. If you haven't watched Picard, stop right now and come back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So what did you, uh, what was this your first impression? Uh, my first impression was, I mean, there was a lot to love and there was a couple things that 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 disappointed mm. me, but not in in the Star Trekness of it or or anything like that. It was it was just certain things they did in execution 
in the storytelling. You know, I mean, you know, they introduce a character and it's a character that you find compelling and interesting and then they kill her. Well, they but, got a, oh, they got a backup. They got a backup. I know. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But still, it's disappointing. Well, I was, it I was, is very disappointing. When I but saw again, that, I thought, what, what is going, what is, okay, they killed her off. What is this going on here? And then he goes and has the conversation at Daystrom's like, oh, there's, so. Is there only two of them, though? Well, there was, there, two there was of, a clue that there could be many, many more. Yeah, there's two of that one. Maybe there's two other sets that'll pop up throughout the, uh, I didn't realize when I was watching it, the two, the, I don't want to call them servants because I don't know if they're they're called servants or they work for him. I don't know how, you know, I don't I, I, sometime we're going to have to do or do a whole podcast on how Star Trek works with no money because the two, the two, uh, I didn't, I thought they were Vulcans, but it turns out they're Romulans. That yeah, are working I, for I, I knew from the very beginning they were Romulans. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that because they've changed the look of them. They don't look as they, lumpy. Right. They don't have, they don't, they don't look like next gen Romulans, which they give them that kind of pronounced brow to kind of guess differentiate them from the Vulcans, and they don't really have that green tinge that they put on the, the Vulcans and the the Romulans. Uh, but I didn't realize that they were uh, I didn't realize that they were Romulans until somebody said it because I I missed the part where he they said that oh he he rescued but he's kind of doing what they're doing kind of a Star Trek six here having to rescue, rescue and, and Romulans. I, I figured that it all had to be tied into into that. Um, that it was going to be tied into the the supernova of Romulus and the disappearance of Spock and the the, the beginnings of the Kelvin timeline. I thought that was kind of gutsy to to tie it into JJ's at least partially. And, no reason not to. Well, it's true. I mean, that's I mean, I guess that's the last time. Well, if you read the comics, that's the last time you saw uh, Picard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've read. I've got him. But I don't think I read him. And I didn't read the comics leading up to this. You know, you realize there's a three-issue series that no, talks I, about. I, I the... believe I saw there was a countdown, countdown to Picard, but right. I, I, had, I hadn't picked any of that up. I haven't either. Um, it, it tells uh, the, I guess, the synthetic rebellion and the destruction of Mars and all that stuff. Yeah, and but I, you know, it's like I was sitting there, and the thing is, that everything happened so fast that I was actually surprised when the credits and credits started. I thought it'd be longer. I thought it'd be like an hour and a half as a. And what was premiere. the first episode? Was it was it forty five minutes? Something yeah, forty five minutes. It was about the same as the Mandalorian, which is you know for that it's an expensive it's an expensive show. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't pick up on. Did you pick up on the Tosh? What was her name? Dosh. 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 Did you pick up that she was synthetic? Yeah. I I I I I didn't. I mean, the moment that she was activated, you know, that they said activated. You know, I was sitting there just kind of going, okay, is she like Rogadanar? Is she? And I was going, no, no, she's an android, or she's a synthetic, or. I, and the the subject of synthetics had been broached a little bit by that point, I think. That well, once they start talking about it, then I made the connection. But at first, I thought she was kind of a a summer glow character, like from uh, Firefly. Yeah. Like some kind of trained assassin, and she doesn't know that's what she is. And then suddenly they triggered it, and now she's, you know, kicking butt. But it wasn't until later that uh, when he starts talking about synthetic, like, oh, okay, Data possibly could be alive, or he could be part, some part of him there is alive. I don't know how they're going to... I really thought that what they did with B4 was really sad, you so know. They, oh, he was what? just disassembled? Disassembled, I mean, just, and, and that uh, all of Data's data within B4 was lost. Well, even if it was, they didn't act like, okay, his, his data, data's data didn't take, so he wouldn't actually become another data, but he was still a functioning, I mean, I guess you could argue that he's a, a sentient, he was still uh, a functioning person. Well, 
They at the very end of Nemesis, you know, Picard is in, in the ready room and he's got B4 there and he's trying to figure out and he's mourning the loss of his friend. Yeah. And then B4 starts singing a song that Data had sung. And that's supposed to be the hint that... Living on in him. Right, Data's going to come out of him. And apparently in the in the Countdown comics to Star Trek 09, that's exactly what happened. Data kind of took over... And he was promoted to captain of the Enterprise. And Picard had his own, I guess, it was Admiral. And he had his own, his own ship. So they've kind of, a, you know, they're 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 referencing 09, but they're they're ignoring that. Right. So, but of course, I guess once they outlawed synthetics, maybe that was when they decided to uh, disassemble B um, B four. But wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that go against the very rights that Picard fought for in Measure a Man, proving I think- that? Based on what they were saying, is that B four experienced some sort of cascade okay, failure? Okay, well that makes sense. He, and, he and, flipped and, out, yeah. But the question is, are we going to see Brian Brophy? Is Maddox going to show back up? I don't know. I hope he does. Because it sounds like he is a major part of this, mm-hmm. and you know, and it, I don't know. It, 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 the whole thing is interesting. Both my wife and I were just completely wrapped up in it, and it, it, it's funny because I've got her doing. Um, you know, we've been I've made a little roadmap for her of episodes of Next Gen to watch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's kind of dilly dallied on it. But she finally got past uh, Best of Both Worlds and then Family before starting this. And I thought that was not a bad spot no. for all this, especially since, you know, he's on the vineyard and all that, you know. But she doesn't know about what happens to Robert Oh, and, so, so and are you going to have her watch Generations or? I, you know, the thing is, is that she takes that kind of death really hard. And so it's going to be, that's, that's going to be a, a, a game time decision. I don't know. Yeah, make her watch. Uh, um, again, again, you know, I, I think she's going to want to. I think she's going to want to watch that one to understand what happened to Data. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know recently Scott Gardner posted he really likes that film and he thinks it's underrated. And I respect Scott. <clears throat> but I I just have to disagree with him. I don't. I, well, it's not it's not as horrible as some people say it is, but it's not a very good film. You know, the thing is with Scott, you know, and and others, you know, you know, other people that are that are on the Two True Freaks Network is that you know they've got their their own vision of things. A lot of real hardcore Trek fans think that Insurrection is probably one of the best Star Trek movies made because it is so inherently Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's it's it it is as much of an expanded episode of Next Gen than any of the other movies oh, I, were. I absolutely agree. It's the most, like, a two-parter that you would yeah. find. But that's I, fine. But I don't... I just... I, don't I, I won't ever watch that one again. It's just not very... It's not very compelling. It's not a very... Well, and, the, and the thing is, is that, you know, I, I love Next Gen over uh, most other Trek. Uh, you know, I mean, original series has, you know, of course, got my heart because that's where it started and, you know, the the, the archetypes that are in that. And then when you go to next gen and, you know, that hit me, of course, in my 20s and it was, you know, there for seven years. And it's just the first Trek that sit there and gone on for that long. But, you know, what it did was by that third season, they figured out the formula and they had a great formula there that worked good for a while. But by the sixth season, the formula started to get a little tired. I don't know if, if, if you saw that as much. Well, so when, yeah, some of those later episodes are a little... And because, I don't know if they were trying to rush to get into the films. Or- no, I mean, I mean the, the thing was is that, you know, they had, they had that formula and they were sticking to that formula, damn it, no matter what. And it, it, made, the, it made the scripts stale. 
I mean, that that was the beauty of Deep Space Nine is they didn't follow that formula. No. The Irish Stephen Bear and them, they 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 mixed it up. They they had you know multi episode episode uh, uh, stories that that went on for a good while. They had you know whole seasons where they were doing you know one thing or another, the, the Dominion War, and you know they had things that lasted the entire series. And of course, you know they they took all their cues from Babylon 5 because that's where they got the, the idea from for it was when Straczynski pitched that as a Star Trek series. But Iris Stephen Bear turned it into a really good cohesive type story all the way through and gave gave it a different feel from the rest of Trek. Yeah, and that's fine. You, that way, you you, know, you don't want all your Trek to be exactly the same because... But Voyager, even though it had an interesting premise followed the same formula that next gen followed and as a result it suffered especially in those early seasons I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd sit there and watch an episode and go have i seen this one i think i've seen this one and it would take me 10 15 minutes before i could tell if i'd seen it or not because oh there's an anomaly in front of us what is that anomaly <laughs> and they'd say the word anomaly like 27 times or it's or it's uh hey we found this thing Hey, can it help us get it closer to home? I don't know. Let's let's yeah. spend forty five minutes thinking, trying to make it work. Oh, it got us a couple, uh, you know, a couple of light years closer. Yeah, and and then of course you'd say, well, Chakotay, what do you think? My people have a story, and you uh, know that, that was virtually every episode. Well, just, and I saw, so and that was that. I have put that firmly on Brandon Braga and Rick Berman, though. You know, they they felt well, we have a formula; it works. Trek fans will watch anything as long as it's got the word Trek in it. So, well, let's do I. That. And, I, I I think they were they were they they fell into their own trap because they had a, like you said an interesting premise that if they'd stay stuck to it that mm-hmm. they are low on resources they are out where they have no contact no support and it really and they and you've got these two crews that should be kind of at each other's throat yeah and within two three episodes like oh we're one big happy family now and yeah, the, we don't the, really. We're not really, you know, our resources aren't really that unless they want to bring it up and make a point of it so that they never seem to be really suffering as they were trying to get back back to the Federation. So I think well, if, if if I had if I'd had any input on Voyager, I would have said, number one, don't bring Michael Westmore back. Bring in uh, someone else that's going to give you a n- whole new look for aliens because, uh, you know, he tried to sit there and create something that looked so different. But what you got was the Kazon. And they were by far the they were less interesting than the Ferengi, you know, as the Ferengi well, were presented you, you to us in those for... early seasons of Next Gen. Well, yeah, and the, and the well, yeah, you, we didn't have enough episodes about them. They were just the bad guy. You couldn't you couldn't do anything with them enough to develop them. The race so pathetic, the Borg would not assimilate them. <laughs> Oy. Well, I mean, I, I I don't have so much. I didn't have really have a problem with Westmore coming in. I think. Some of his stuff seemed a little unimaginative, but, you know, who am I really the judge? He's having to come up with new stuff week after I mean, week. And again, you know, that's the thing. He's come up with stuff for for so long. But, you know, the thing is, is that you watch TV and it got to the point where you, even if you're watching different shows on different network, you could sit there and go, hey, that's a Michael Westmore effect, you know, yeah. a makeup job there. Yeah. It, it, it became recognizable. Well, and I think uh, also there was a uh, a rule that Rod Bay says never he didn't ever want to cover up the actor's face so much that they couldn't kind of emote mm-hmm. out of it. So a lot of times it became kind of like the Bajorans. Oh, well, here's a little nose wrinkle, or you know, we've done something funny with the ears, or face bumps, and then know, adding bumps, bumps to the Romulans and, and, and right that things like that. You know, uh, 
you know, he came up with some. I mean, as much as I, hate, I really don't like Neelix, I think Neelix is a good look. It looks it looks cohesive. I love the Cardassian look. I the Cardassian is a great look. Yeah. yeah, the Ferengi is a great look. I mean, it looked like it's not just something added. It's an actual right. thing. Uh, Boy, we've really gone way off the <laughs> way off the bat here. Uh, but yeah, I like Picard. Yeah, I'm. I'm um, <laughs> well, it's, it's some Chris Honeywell said, and I, I I agree that they're treating Picard that he is an old man. Like when he's trying to run up the steps, he's like, you know, he can't do it. And you can tell Patrick Stewart and his voice sounds a little. I think, he's, I, I think he's slowed down a little. Yeah, his voice yeah. is raspier, but I think he was talking slower on purpose. I've seen him on some other shows and Graham Norton and other things recently where he's, you know, yeah, he's got the raspier voice, but he still talks with the same speed. Oh, you think, and, he's, you think he's trying to kind of play up that he's just older? Yes. Okay. Well, because he would be, I don't know what age he was supposed to be in Next Gen. I don't think he was supposed to be Patrick Stewart's age. I think he was he supposed was, to be older. He, no, he was supposed to be 45 when he? he took over the Enterprise okay, in the first season. Okay, I thought he was supposed season. to be older. So they'd make him, what, 70 right now? Oh, gosh, 70, uh, older than 70, that. 70, 75, what, 88, 2000, 30, he's been 31. So, yeah, he'd be about 75, 76. Dang, he should be older. Than, I mean, how old is Patrick Stewart right now? I don't know. And I, see, I, I'm, I think I'm, he was I'm that looking old. it up. Let's see, he was born in 40. So he's eighty. Wow, he's eighty. He's pretty good spry for eighty. Yeah. Well, he'll be eighty in July. Oh, still, I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. My my wife was watching Steven Tyler on the the whatever awards last night, and he's seventy two, and he's still dancing around the stage like some crazy man. Well, look at Shatner. Shatner's what eighty five, eighty six, eighty eight. He's not dancing on a stage. No, but he's still active and doing stuff. Yeah, and he still looks as sharp and everything yeah. as ever. That's yeah. that's you know, it's it's the preservatives in our food. I'm pretty sure is what's doing it, you know. And of course, the bonus is the reason why my wife watches Picard is because he's got a pit bull. He's got number one. Yep, <laughs> number one who does number two. And I hope he gets. I hope they take him on the ship, like, uh, like Porthos. Porthos, yeah. We we shall see. That'll be interesting. Did they give the dog a credit? Let me see. The dog's got a, yeah. The, the dog's got a name, but it don't, it's not. Just one. Yeah, well, no, that's its name, number one. But does the dog itself have a name? The dog itself, Usually, yeah, Fenilis told me, but I just don't, I can't what it is. Because but it's not, I, I, I can't wait to see that Romulan Warbird, the, oh, the, the uh, classic, old version. The classic? Yeah, yeah, yeah the that. classic. Well, I'm interested to see how Hugh, I heard he's going to come back. And how yeah, Jonathan Delarco. How he fits be... in with, you know, is that if he's back, does that mean Laura's back? Well, and, and you know, that's that's an interesting thing there because we're dealing with synthetics and board technology with all that. And, of course, that last shot that you saw. The board cube, was a, yeah. That was a board cube, wasn't it? Yeah, and it looks like they either took it over or it was, they're using it as a temporary base or something. It's like nowhere in the Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, uh, this last thing I'll say before we get into our stuff. Since they've outlawed synthetics, doesn't that include the doctor, the holographic doctor? He's a synthetic. That's an interesting point. And, you know, again, we'll we'll find out about yeah. whatever happened with all that. You know, I, I, I knew that that what we what we got here was going to have kind of that old man Logan sort of thing where you're going to have something that's happened that's made things go to a, a place that you didn't want it to go. And, you know, I was waiting to hear that, you know, like Worf and Geordi and others had all died as part of, you know, the whole Romulan thing and Picard, you know, left in disgrace or whatever, you know, that it was going to be one of those things that's going to deconstruct your heroes. And They could do but, that. I mean, they, somebody had said that they thought Geordi had married, because I think according to Leah Brahms, Leah Brahms, and they were working at the, uh, 
Utopia Planitia. So they could Which, very well be dead. Yeah. It could very well, yeah. Yeah, that that is that is interesting. I mean, but again, you know, if we're going to get um, Maddox, if we're going to get Lore, uh, and and you know, bringing you know that part of the Borg and maybe the Borg nanotechnology is part of it all. But also, are we going to have Blade Runners, people well, whose jobs it is to hunt down those synthetic? Maybe that's what those Romulans are. Maybe. Maybe they're, they're just looking for some skin jobs. Now, let me ask you, what'd you think of, uh, the Dr. Gerardi, uh, Alison pill, the blonde girl woman. Uh, I don't know. I thought she was acting kind of a little goofy at first, but, uh, I don't know if I know her from anywhere. I don't recognize the uh, actress. She was on the newsroom TV uh, series and she was that. also in the Scott Pilgrim movie. Was she the boy, uh, girl, girlfriend? No, she was the ex-girlfriend that was drummer of the band. Oh, okay. We are sex. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, um, she she was on the newsroom. She was really good on there. Yeah, she was okay. I thought it would be cool if they'd had somebody, uh, if they'd had one of Daystrom's ancestors or somebody related that was actually there. Hmm. But, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, we've got some, we still have a lot of new characters they're going to be introducing oh, yeah. us to. Yeah. And, and so there's so much that's coming up. You don't know if you're going to be dealing with Romulans or Vulcans or are, are we going to see the Tal Shiar? Are we going to see people that we have seen before, you know, from other uh, other series and whatnot? I mean, we know we're getting seven of nine, but are we going to get anybody else? Well, are I we, mean, Rikers, could obviously. Could we get Cisco? Riker, yeah. Rikers there. Baby, oh, well, Riker, where's Cisco going to be? Where's he going to come back from wherever he's been? <laughs> he was only supposed to be in the thing for a year or five years, something like that. It wasn't, you know, a oh, permanent well, thing. But then again, we don't know how time moves for them in there. Yeah, because it's not linear for. I mean, you could get Wesley Crusher. He could come back from. He could show up with a traveler. You could. Now, I mean, I'd like to say uh, Barkley. That would be kind of nice. The funny thing about Wesley is that at this time he would be the same age now that Picard was when he took over the Enterprise. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Will Wheaton is that age right now, so I'd, that's 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 interesting. Well, I guess we're going to get Riker and Troy. Troy. I guess they're married, and it looks—I don't can't tell if he's in uniform or not. So I don't know if they're still in the service. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure that you know they left with solidarity. You know, left in solidarity with Picard, or left at a later time. Yeah, could be. Be interesting. I wonder if you got kids. They should get the kid that played his kid when he was actually the alien, pretending to be his kid. Yeah. They should get, of course. They yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, but he's not acting anymore. That guy. Oh, oh, they okay. Yeah, yeah. I I was actually looked him up a couple weeks ago because I'd watched that episode and I remembered him from a, a another TV show that was on HBO um, with Brian Benben. I'm trying to remember what the name of that show was. Crap, my memory's not working again. <laughs> Dream re- on. Dream re- on. Oh, Dream on. Need a reboot. Because uh, Dream On used a lot of people from Star Trek, and I remember Gates McFadden was on there, too. I never watched I know of it, it but I never watched it. it. It was created by the same people that created Friends. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a, a similar type of humor, but at the same time, it wasn't that because, you know, it was guys in their 40s trying to rekindle, you know, a single life. Anyway, so. You want to get to some... Uh... Yeah, let's let's talk some top five. And uh, what we're talking here, of course, is the top five burn creations. And, you know, of course, uh, you can go out and uh, I believe it's on Wikipedia. You can pull up the list of all, you know, all the the creations that John Byrne has. And, of course, you got to realize that there are some things that he has created on his own, like uh, Next Men, uh, any of the characters that are involved in that, or Babe, or the Highways, or... Um, the um, 
I'm blanking all of a sudden on the other. Yeah, Trio and um, what's that other series that he created at IDW? Uh, he did one called, was it Espionage or? Well, yeah, there's the Cold War. Oh, Cold War, Cold War, not Espionage, Cold War. But, um... but there was two series. There was Trio and there was something else. I'm not sure if they crossed over into each other. And they were also related to Next Men somehow. But um, it's not, see, that stuff is not showing up on this list. Yeah, some stuff didn't show up. And again, I, when I looked, stuff I thought were his creations, I looked up and found out they weren't. So. Yeah. And then there's things that, that, you know, don't really go as his creation. It's just kind of infuriating. And I, I, the only thing that, that you got to give to him, and, and maybe, you know, one day we could have a discussion on that, is Count Nefaria's costume. Because obviously he didn't create Count Nefaria. And Luciano Nefaria came from. Uh, a previous time but when they made him super nefaria in that avenger storyline he's the one that designed the costume. costume and that has got to be one of the single greatest billing costumes ever it could be a hero costume yeah they could de- yeah i could see that uh, they, I, and they like using it because they they keep bringing it back it's a kind of i mean it's a kind of a basic costume except for the over the shoulder kind of shazam cape yeah cape yeah cape but, but I, I always liked it. Uh, that's again, yeah, that's yeah, one of my favorite favorite costumes. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, but we're just talking the characters. I mean, if you wanted to pick uh, a team and put it on there on the list, you could. Uh, I didn't do that. I, I just did all individuals myself. I did. But, well, I'm looking at what I did, but I played a little looser with the rules and I'll explain as we okay. go along. But I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first. Mine aren't in any particular order. So I, I actually did an order. I, I, I was like, I was really thinking this out. Uh, and, and again, I'm still having some like maybe I ought to move this move these here, but I'll go ahead and start my number five. Okay. Um, one of one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite characters uh, was Heather Hudson from Alpha Flight. Good pick. And you know the thing is, is that it really in so many ways she's the best part of Alpha Flight. And you know there were other characters from Alpha Flight I consider putting on the list for one reason or another. We'll get into that as I get into honorable mention. But she was the one that by far was the most fleshed out, most three-dimensional character out of all the characters in that book that he did over the course of, what, 28 issues. Yeah, plus what he did, plus the work that he did with Chris Claremont in X-Men with her. And, you know, there was two issues there, and really that was pretty much all him. Claremont got to script it, but he, he's the one that came up with that storyline in, in the Wendigo storyline. And and the fact that, you know, the, you're... you're knowledge of heather starts there and then goes on into the other book but you you get a better sense of why logan is the way he is and and part of that is is directly related to her more so than mac that's why he's got to think for redheads well actually it's not if you if you read origin yeah i i she's not on my list but i agree i agree with everything you said she is she's kind of in a way the kind of heart and soul mm-hmm. of alpha flight and I think some of that is because she was the, the leadership role was kind of thrust on her. She, it wasn't her idea. She had to kind of take over. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of her taking over, but I don't think that she had to, you know, become a superhero. I don't think she had to put on a costume and and fight baggers. And I think that's ultimately what they had her do later, wearing an, a version of Vindicator's outfit. Yeah. And and but you know, I I, I love the character that John Byrne created. And the one that he crafted in his story. But once they got beyond that, I I just couldn't hang with it anymore. But that was the whole book. I couldn't hang with the book anymore. Yeah, I, I kind of dropped off after after stop. That I, I tried to come back to it, and it's never quite, uh, never quite, never quite the same. So that's a good pick. Oh, thanks. My, How about you? My uh, and again, these aren't in order. So my first is Sasquatch. We're talking about Alpha. Really? Yeah. I uh, he's probably my favorite 
on that team. Uh, I mean, I'm partial to Puck, and actually I like uh, Box, but I like the idea because I, I think I'm drawn to Sasquatch because I like what Byrne did about when he took when he did Alpha Flight is kind of weaving in the, the mysticism mm-hmm. of, of uh, Canada. And the fact that we find out that, you know, we think that he's just, he's a kind of a Hulk type that, you know, gamma rays. He just yeah, became he's, kind of he, a, he's the brick. Right. But he doesn't look anything like any other kind of Hulk um, uh, incarnation. You know, he's not green. So we find out later that he's actually a vessel for this spirit. This one of these ancient, the ancient guardians, or he was the or, or spirit or something. He was a, and it sort of, he it started to take over. So oh, he yeah. was he was a great beast. That's what he was. He's called the great beast. And it started to take over. And in, you know, in a, in a great episode, Snowbird had basically has to kill him to kind of stop him from kind of going on a rampage. And then it then it gets then it gets a little weird <laughs> where he comes back as a woman. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I've always because he because Walter uh, Lukowski was he, he kind of craved it. It wasn't it wasn't an accident. He wasn't he wasn't a Bruce Banner. Yeah, he was a scientist. He wanted he wanted the power. Or he was trying to turn himself into something. So he kind of he says in the early episodes issues. He, uh, the more he becomes Sasquatch, the more he likes it. he likes the feeling of that power and uh, being able to kind of run free. And, and I think that's what I liked about it. That's what makes his death more tragic. And I th- and my favorite. Uh, issue is the one we've already covered is when he fights the Super Scroll. Yeah, I was going to say that those were some of my favorite yeah. issues of Alpha Flight. And uh, yeah, the, I I liked it, but you know, at the same time, his character and when they tied it in with all the mysticism and 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 all that, I I was just like, oh man, and there's no way this is going to end well. And, well, no, they said to, you know they said yeah. that that to happen. Um, yeah, that's my my first one, not my number five, number yeah. number one. All right, uh, my next one. Number uh, four. We're gonna we're gonna jump over to DC, and I have selected Bloodsport. Really? And, and now I'll tell you, it's not the character so much as the concept of well, the look of the character is one thing is really dynamic, interesting, mm-hmm. and all that. You know, looking at it, you know how he's got the whole soldier thing and the bandana and whatnot. But also, I love the technology behind how he's getting those guns because he can basically make any weapon materialized that they've got in the arsenal wherever it is and you know the 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 idea behind that is just interesting and that opened itself to so many different types of of stories if you could turn someone like that into you know a hero or a mercenary or you know something other than what you got from Bloodsport because I I know that they followed up the Bloodsport storyline with another guy but it was you know completely different story and of course that was you know post burn well, wasn't he? I, I haven't read those issues in so long. Wasn't he doing? He wasn't really a villain. He was doing it to protect his or for his little brother. Or his little brother was his brother paralyzed okay. or something in a wheelchair. His brother went and served and wound up getting yeah getting paralyzed and everything. And he was a draft dodger. And so yeah, and of course you know that that you know wouldn't fly today because there is no draft. Yeah. But um yeah he was a draft dodger and so you know he had a psychotic break and so luther and his people use that to their advantage it's like yeah they kind of they kind and, of coerce him or coerce him or trick him into doing what he's doing right he's not really right. a, a bad guy right but uh i mean but he was never blood sport again after that it was another person that that uh, wound up you know getting a uniform and the technology but as i understand it it was an even worse iteration of it it wasn't you know again it was a, a really good idea for that type of villain. Mm-hmm. And then after the first story, 
there was no good execution on it. But again, that was the, the idea behind that story. That was an anti-war story. Yeah. So. Cool. But but again, the character is interesting, and, and I didn't pick it because the the story was compelling or anything. I picked it because he looked damn cool, and he had a cool power set. Yeah, I mean that can do whatever you want. I have to follow the rules. Because I think the one thing that 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 Byrne is so different on compared to other writers and artists is that the the thought that goes into all the things and and will you know i'll always point back to what he did with superman and his invulnerability and the aura and uh, the tactile telekinesis and how he characterizes heat vision and everything was part of that brilliance you know it was that that kind of brilliance to sit there and be able to explain it in terms like that Mm -hmm. and it, it whenever he's creating other character he's he's doing something similar so I, 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 you know, it's like that's how, you know, again, he's sitting there thinking a different way than other creators when he's coming up with these types of creation. Very cool. All right. All right. My next one, and I'm kind of breaking the rules here, but I'll explain, is Wolverine. And I realize he didn't create Wolverine. But I understand what you did there. Right. But I, I will firmly put it at his feet and Claremont's feet for developing Wolverine into the character we know today. And I think Byrne had a huge part you know, mm-hmm. role in that and taking what was kind of a, I don't want to say he's a throwaway character, but he was, there wasn't much thought put into him other than he was kind of a, a hothead and really give him some backstory with, you know, the stuff in Japan and his background, Weapon X, just his berserkerness that he has hard time controlling that really, you know, it's what made Wolverine, you know, in the 90s, he was in everything because he was such a hot character. X-Men 132. That right there is where they just took him and turned him on his edge. Yeah, and that's the that's the one that I, I one of my favorite uh, issues of his because it shows the first time really what Wolverine can do. That moment in the sewer. I mean, just at the end of 132, it's it's one panel. Okay, yeah. Suckers, you're taking your best that's shot. That's great. 133, I prefer better because he's when yeah. he's up there and right. uh, and he's kind of cutting loose. So that's uh, so that's why. I mean, and and it's funny is I'm not necessarily a big Wolverine fan. I mean, I like him. He's not like you know like Spider Man's my go-to guy. But, uh, I appreciate what they've done. They've rounded him around. They've they've created such a deep history for him. Sometimes it's convoluted, <laughs> but. Uh, very few characters, short of say Batman, have got that kind of backstory and that type of attention to creating a not a real character, but a uh, you know a living, breathing character that we can care about, we can root for, you know, we're sorry for him. So I think that you know I, I think Byrne had a big hand at doing that. So that's why he's on my list. But you know the 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 thing is is that Byrne had his own idea on where he where Wolverine was going to go. And then when Joe Casada came in and did Origin, he completely destroyed anything that, that Byrne could have done. So Byrne would never actually go back and and you know deal with it, yeah. deal with that anymore. He, he couldn't, not in that play in that uh, well, sandbox. I don't think that w- that was a. I mean, I understand it was a moneymaker, but I don't think that was a. I don't think we ever needed to know Wolverine's full backstory. No, no, we never should. There's no should've. reason. There's no reason. Never should have. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on? Or uh, yeah, your number three. My number three is uh, it's a co-creation between him and Chris Claremont, Proteus. Ah, that's my next one. So we can talk about it. Right <laughs> that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, just again, you know, this this right here was such a great explanation for why Moira, Moira McTaggart is where she is doing what she's doing, mm-hmm. but also the 
the the whole concept of the character the that that it would sit there and eat a person i mean i i say eat a person but they just take over the body and use it up until it was done and it would just do that without a second thought about any of the lives that it would take but again it's talking about its own survival right i just i, I want to know more though i want to know why it was able to stay in its body its own host body for so long before it switched over and you know it took angus mcwhorter and well, they explained and, that he was else. in some kind of stasis or something that Mora had put him in that kept his body from uh, being used, itself. Yeah, using itself up. So you you think being a mutant, it would use, he wouldn't burn up his own body, but right. Um, yeah, it's, that's a great pick, and he's not. I haven't read really the the later stories, and you know he does come back. I haven't really read those, but the 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 run, which is one twenty five to one twenty eight, mm-hmm. uh, those are my early books that when I was collecting kind of collecting back issues. And I love the story because it's 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 like a horror it's like a, a horror story you know yes. it's not it's very dark uh, it's uh, there was a, a it's very uh, hammer like I mean it's movie it's, uh, there was a Denzel Washington movie that came out not too uh, within the last twenty years I say you know it did come out a while ago where there was a a spirit that jumped from one body it was like a serial killer who jumped from one body to the next it was an angel wasn't it uh, I don't recall yeah what was it but, called. Uh, I want to say it was like the bones or uh, yeah, bone um, was a different. I know what you're, I know no, exactly no. what you're talking about. Fallen. fallen, fallen. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a fallen angel, and he would. Yeah, he was taunting him. He would go from body to body. Um, it's it's very similar to it. I know it. It's not regarded as a very good book, but I like the first Star Trek X Men where Proteus and Gary Mitchell team up because they have a similar. Because wow. you can kind of look at. Um, have you not read it, that? No, no, I haven't. Yeah. Somehow Proteus makes uh, makes it to uh, wherever they dropped Mick Gary Mitchell off. I can't remember the planet's name now. And he, Delta Vega. Delta Vega, and they somehow merge, and he comes back, and somehow that brings the X-Men into the Star Trek universe. The two crews or teams came up. But it's similar, because if you look at Gary Mitchell in the, that episode, it looks like he's aging. Oh, yeah. So, like, he's burning his own body up. Right. Well, that's really cool. And, and, again, it's cool that we both both had that. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting, and he's not a prominent, really a prominent character, but he's no. To your point, he's, he's got an interesting power set, and a he's, very interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And I, bet you, you wonder how much of that was Claremont, how much of that was Burn. But I think it's it's more like that Beatles Gestalt, you know, where they're both just you know feeding each other and pulling back the things that don't make yeah, sense. It's hard to tell what you know who did what, but okay. So that was my. We kind of did our third one together. Do you want me to yeah. go, or do you want to go? Yeah, you can go. Okay, uh, and I'm breaking the rules again. <laughs> I'm going with She-Hulk because. But I understand that yes. again, it's like Wolverine, and my my list seems kind of very narrowly focused. Uh, but I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I was like, well, he yeah, he created this character, that character, but my I want to go back to this character, or I enjoyed this character more, or I enjoyed these issues more. And my standout issue for that is going to be the, the graphic novel, which we've also covered on our show. Hmm. I think like Wolverine, he has he took a character that was really a kind of a, you know savage she-hulk was not uh it wasn't this, you know it didn't have a lot of it was kind of a two-dimensional character and then i guess she was i can't remember now was she with the avengers when uh yeah secret wars she, came up yes and so then he takes her and brings her into the ff which seems like kind of a crazy move but it, it's it it's, worked it absolutely it worked. worked and then look what he did with the character so again he bring, that's all him because he did that on his own and so, then his series with her, yeah. where he they broke the fourth wall and redefined the character again. Yeah, and you know it's it's 
it, it's interesting because you know they're they've got they're putting together a uh, Disney Plus series for She Hulk. Really? Is that live yeah. action? Live action, as I understand it. How that? And so I I don't know if it's going to be Ferris Bueller meets She Hulk or or what. Uh, but you know, as we get closer to it, you know, we'll probably discuss it here on the show as they, as they lead into it. If they cast someone, I definitely uh, am interested to see who they could possibly cast that could play the She Hulk. Well, I wonder if they're going to cast two actors like Ferrigno and Canon uh, Bixby. Bixby. Or is it going to be a CGI? Or is it going to be? I you well, know, be She Hulk. Well, should be She Hulk all the time and just not revert. Right. Exactly. That would be easier. Right. And so you could have, you know, one person cast as Jennifer Walters and use her off and on for flashbacks and mm-hmm. right. and whatnot. But your your She-Hulk is going to be that main character that's always going to be center screen. So you either get someone that's just that big and make her green because, again, unlike Hulk, she was not, you know, this gigantic muscle bound thing. She was just a very, very tall. She just needs to be somebody tall. Yeah, a, a tall woman. You yeah. Know, so you could get Gwendolyn Christie, maybe. I don't know if she could if she could pull something like that off. But you could get someone, you know, a, a woman that could pull that off. It's really, really hard for women at that height to, you know, maintain that kind of figure, though. So yeah. well, and they may uh, they may not muscle her up. They may just they just need somebody who looks toned, right? And you know, tall, and then they give her a. Well, know. we don't want someone that looks like Zap. From American Gladiators. No, 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 nothing yeah. like that. Not like a uh, who's the one of Mandalorian, Gina uh, Carano. Carano. She's a little. I mean, she looks good, but she's a little stocky. Stocky. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That, I don't want to be mean, but yeah, stocky. I think that's not. Um, she Hulk looks needs to look more like a runner or a a swimmer. That kind of a lean body. Right. That's that's kind of know they were doing it. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. All right, uh, number... Number two is... Number my four. number two is... Number four, because you haven't done your four yet. No, I did four. I, I, I started from five on down. Okay, okay, okay. Well, going five is Heather, four is Bloodsport, three is Proteus. Two is a co-creation between John Byrne and Marv Wolfman. And we saw him way back in Fantastic Four 211, Terex the Tamer. Terex. Tyros, yeah, yeah. the terrible Terax, yeah. the tamer, herald of Galactus. He is on my honorable mention. And you know, I mean, the the look of Terax is 100% Burn creation. You look at that, you know that John Byrne created. It doesn't matter what other artist comes behind him and does him. You look at that, and go, oh yeah, that's a Burn mm-hmm. creation right there. And you know, though he and Marv Wolfman created him for that that series, where with the Galactus and the Sphinx and all that. You know, Byrne really took a, a ownership of that character down the road uh and his run on fantastic four you know he made a good use of them twice one for when they had that whole segment with galactus there at the baxter building and then later when uh dr doom used him against the silver surfer and i you know that's one of my favorite stories when he's kind of burning he's kind of burning himself up yeah and uh i mean i just i've I've always liked that character i also like the the idea of um, you know, if you look at the the different heralds of Galactus, you got the Surfer that's basically a water being. You've got Airwalker, you've got Fire Lord, and then you got Terex, who's got power over the Earth. And so you realize that Galactus has given all of his heralds basically elemental powers. You know, he's sticking with that kind of elemental image. Yeah, it makes it a draw too, I guess. And I guess Marv Wolfman was, you know, the, the one that thought of that idea initially because he also did that in, in uh, Teen Titans with Terra. 
gave her those earthen powers. I mean, I think he just liked earthen powers because I think he also made Geoforce too, didn't he? Or was that Mike Mike W. Barr? Oh, I don't know Geoforce. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, again, Terax is one. It, he's just a great villain. He is a villain for villain's sake. He's a bully, and you know, you put him in his place, and he cowers. But you give him power, and all of a sudden, he thinks he's the baddest man in the universe. Yeah, and what's great about that was I think. Galactus, it shows Galactus to care. You know, he doesn't care he's going to pick a good person. He isn't going to pick somebody who's going to do the job. And Terex kind of welcomed that kind of power. Well, it, I mean, when he first gives him the power, he says, you know, all the other guys that I've, you know, turned into heralds were guys with a moral or, or honor code, and that made them ultimately betray me. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get somebody that, that, that has no morals that's not going to worry about you know, if there's life on a planet. And then the first thing Tarek says is, I have power now. I I will fight you because I have power now. And Galactus is like, no, 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 you're my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then ultimately Tarek is like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm your bitch. I'll do what you yep. say. But I've well, got power. <laughs> that's what leads to that great, where he gets stripped of his power. Yes. And that's why he's so willing to do whatever Doom, and Doom's trying to create his own little superhero, and just Terax's body, he was already used to it, could handle the power. So he, uh, you know, he offers it to him, even though, not not telling the guy that you know, you're you're burning yourself up anyway. But yeah, and it, it just uh, he was able to create such excellent imagery around this character, no matter which incarnation you were dealing with. And um, I especially love that outfit that he had him Tyros on, and that that fake goblin glider and uh <laughs> there in, in, in that fantastic four story but uh yeah terax the tamer one cool. of my favorites so that was my one of my one of my uh, honorable mentions ah. uh, all right well my next one mm-hmm. which would be number five uh is alpha flight itself really yeah i love alpha flight and i think i like it because it's so it was so different than it was so canadian centric that's what i loved it mm-hmm. they really dealt anything with what was going on da, uh down south they rarely dealt with uh, other, other than occasionally, you know, with uh, the Silver Surfer and the, or the Silver Surfer, the Submariner and uh, Invisible Girl. Right. They mm-hmm. didn't deal with, they were in their own little playground. They dealt with Canada and they dealt with Canada, Canadian problems. So I think the first, you know, 26 or whatever issues he did uh, are pretty good. He had some great stories. He did some, the artwork's great. The characters, he serviced them pretty well. Um, and I, I, uh, I enjoyed those, those, those um, issues. You know, it, for me, it's it's funny. And, you know, I've said, of course, my, my thoughts on Heather Hudson. And I really love the concepts behind a lot of the characters in Alpha Flight. Uh, not just the main ones, but the background guys. Box and Madison Jeffries mm-hmm. and, you know, so, so on and so forth. And I love the Beta and Gamma Flight, the concept behind those characters and what they'd had in there. And, and all that. But at the same time, my reading of Alpha Flight was kind of, I don't know, stilted. Because... I read each issue as it came out, for the most part, and then I didn't pick them up again for a while. I, I, I didn't have that draw to go back and, and read those again, except for the Sasquatch Super Scroll story. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why that was, you know, for a long time. Part of it was um, the art got so thick lined. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was when yeah. he started inking himself and it a little... Uh... Well, I, I found out very, very recently that at that particular point in time, he was going through a lot of personal stuff. And, you know, he was having a very hard time, you know, because he, he had a lot of personal stuff going in. He was doing so much 
writing and, and drawing Fantastic Four. And then there was the, the Alpha Flight and everything else that he was doing because he was writing other books. Time mm-hmm. wasn't he writing Iron Man then? Or but I don't think I, he was writing Iron Man then. But he was he, but, had, he was doing a lot of stuff. He was stretched pretty thin. And he was really having a hard time. And I sit there and I think about the last couple of months that I've been going through with all the, the stress and everything that I was dealing with. And I, I, I know it affected, you know, me all around. And so I, you know, I sit there and I look at that. I, I go back and I look at that, the run on Alpha Flight, and I can see that, no, number one, I knew that, that he, he first and foremost didn't necessarily want to do an Alpha Flight book. He only did the book because... Otherwise, they were going to let somebody else take the characters right. and do something with them. And so, you know, it, it, it kind of, for me, it kind of stains the, the characters in that I don't think his heart was ever wholly yeah, into I don't, it. I, I don't get that. Maybe it's, maybe an, I haven't like reread, I've kind of cherry picked stuff I've read. I've mm-hmm. not reread it from, from E1 uh, through his run. And I might pick up on that, but I can, I can see how that might sour you on the book. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he'd always said that the, the characters were never fully fleshed out, never fully, you know, they were never real as real to him as a lot of other comic book characters. But I think none of his true creations felt that real to him because they were his creations and he wanted to play in the sandbox, you know? Yeah, which is so a shame. You think, would, you think they would be more fully realized, something that, that he's, he's working on somebody else's character. Yeah, well, you know, and, and this is interesting because it, it, now it goes back to, it goes to my number one, which uh, we're not there yet. I mean, we're still talking about Alpha Flight, right. but it, there are so many things to Alpha Flight that you can look at. You know, that first group, of course, you've got Puck and Marina, and Puck was just, he's someone that it, apparently everybody loved, you know? When when you talk to anybody that's a John Byrne fan and you bring up Puck, you get a big smile, you know. And I don't know that you know that that every creator's got a character like that, but Puck is one of those that's that's kind of universally loved. Yeah, I mean he's, he's he's kind of the he's kind of the jokester. He's kind of the he's the, the underdog. The underdog, yeah. And it, you know I, I kind of applaud Byrne for taking a little person and making of him. I mean it's, I guess it's no different than making a blind man a superhero. But, uh, you know for including something like that. I don't know, I don't know why it appeals to me. I don't I think it's it's the Canadianness of it. I think is what <laughs> appeals yeah. to me. And I don't know why that appeals to me. But um, maybe because it's just, you don't. You don't get it anywhere else. That's maybe that's it. It's and it's so different than it's, they're playing in their own little corner, and maybe that's why I like it. They don't that they're not mixed in. It used to be kind of like the way the X Men were. The X Men you never uh, never played with the other heroes hardly ever. Mm-hmm. They were on their own little thing, and right. then they started. You know, Wolverine was a, a member of every team out. That, you know, you know the crap. But yeah. So what's uh, your number my, one? My number one, Kitty Pride. I almost picked Kitty, but. Uh, I guess I don't think I'm as close. I'm not as much of a fan of her. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, she was she was there for me from the very beginning. I mean, you know, again, I started off with X Men 132, and so I didn't get those first stories with her until later. Um, and you know, of course, you know, she joined the X Men, and so I only got to really read the Chris Claremont Kitty Pride for a number of years, mm-hmm. and she grew up with me, and I had a crush on her, even though she was a uh, a comic book character. Yeah, well, that's understandable. I grew, I grew with her, you know, and all that. And it's it's really funny now because as uh, I've been reading X Men elsewhere, the Kitty Pride that they've got in that story is, uh, you know, she is back to being how Kitty was back then, but not the one that wears the roller skates and the clunky outfits and and all that. She's just got the uh, 
X-Men costume. And I love what he's doing with her in Elswin. Um, and and, and it, even today's page featured something about her that was kind of interesting. So, it, you know, I mean, but it, at the same time, it's what what we're doing right now with, with Elswin is rediscovering that character because Byrne is going to go his own way. He, it, he never imagined her as the genius. Well, I like the genius, you know, and I like what they did with her. Uh, in the X-Men titles, but also in New Mutants. If you read the, the New Mutant titles that were coming out at the same time, Claremont, of course, was writing that. And, and that's where they had, you know, Kitty spending her time with Doug Ramsey. Yeah. And and the others. And, and I'm sorry, Doug Ramsey was me. <laughs> except the part of when he got shot and killed. But Doug Ramsey was me. And, and I, I was just like, wow, this is just crazy. What? But uh, yeah, so yeah, Kitty, Kitty was like uh, your first comic book club well and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head was saying she grew up in the pages because there are only a few characters that have done something like that i mean i guess you peter parker to a certain extent has kind of grown up uh i think count robin in there dick grayson Mm -hmm. he grew up um, became you know so others have kind of don't really they're just the same i mean look at franklin richards he hasn't grown grown up and he's 40 years old or however old he is yeah uh but i think that's uh as you get to see her go from she's like what 13 when she they first joins the x-men right and you get to see her become you know kind of a, a scared little girl in the book we covered with the uh, the alien-like monster that comes in for christmas yeah. and then she becomes she's never cool well she becomes a leader doesn't she have one faction of the x-men or Ex- she, excalibur i believe but I, I, excalibur. Never read excalibur. Uh, I never read it which is which is sad oh, because i love alan davis art that yeah that and it and the uh, but I was souring on Claremont's writing at that time. Well, he took he took more of a some of those stories are a little more fun. They're not as uh, kind of stuffy as the X Men were, where you had to you read the X Men, you you get a new issue and you're like, what happened? You have to almost pull your other issue out and look at it and go, oh, because he's threading. You know, we're even in so many uh, so many storylines. So yeah, but yeah, if you but uh, it was so depressing <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Everybody's out to kill us. We're feared and hated by the world at large that we protect. And I think yes. uh, Excalibur was a little more fun, and it you know, and and it was Alan Davis art, which beautiful. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. No, I don't think he gets enough enough. I, I put him up there with Byrne. I think he is. Well, even Byrne Byrne says he's superior to him in every way. But it, it, again, you know, that's the 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 beauty of the way he talks about other artists and all yeah. like that. Well, that's, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I've always loved Alan Davis's art. Um, all the, I mean, I remember seeing uh, some of his stuff in Miracle Man, uh, if I remember right, way back in the in I the day. He, I think he's still working. I still, he's maybe doing covers, or he's still yeah. Doing, and doing and stuff. when he went to DC and did like the Nail and the uh, Legion mm-hmm. of Superheroes uh, prestige series, that was cool. It's a very organic. That's why he described a very organic. He's look. cut from the same cloth as Byrne, you know. It is, but how Byrne is more precise and sharp and technical. Mm-hmm. Davis is a little more flamboyant. Yeah, and like I said, organic is the only word I can kind of I can come up with. It looks a little softer, uh, but I love the way he uh, uh, his almost looks a little more polished than Bird. You don't get yeah, don't and, get... yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying there. And his women though have very definitive oh yeah curves curves and features. Yeah, I, but he's only got a couple different models for women though. That's yeah, one thing. There's I not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot. And he draws a lot of. <laughs> it's funny. He draws a lot of uh white eyes yeah just thinking yep well that's cool but, you wanna but yeah kitty pride kitty pride um <laughs> i'm gonna kind of go down my honorable mentions one of them i've already met mentioned was terex mm-hmm. 
Another one is, and I almost put him on the list, but he's not in enough, is Metallo from Superman number one. Oh. He's not a Byrne creation, but I just love him in that story, and I love the way Byrne drew him. Yeah. I mean, gave him that Terminator mm-hmm. kind of look, and he wore those funky, weird clothes <laughs> without <laughs> the, the riding best. pants. But yeah. Uh, another one is Kristoff. Oh, you know, I completely the kid who thought he was dumb, you know, that is like the idea of a, an eight-year-old or however old he was, and a ten-year-old who thinks he's doom. Yes, <laughs> and that had one of my favorite written lines ever in a comic book, and that was where Johnny was sitting there saying, you know, Reed, we don't you think we ought to be careful on what we do with this guy? I mean, he could, you know, make a time machine using a, a radio and two aspirin, <laughs> and Reed responds, well. A bomb, maybe, but you need a whole bottle of aspirin to synthesize enough. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's a I just love that. <laughs> I've actually used that in conversation, but <laughs> yeah, Christoph, that's that's a, that's an interesting. He wasn't even on the list either, too. Yeah, that's, uh, it, 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 I thought it was funny, uh, and I didn't really. I mean, I had I wrote down Doombots because I just love the way Burn dealt with the Doombots, but they're not really worthy. Burn enough. trooper, Burn troopers. Yeah, is is is. I, I think that. It needs its own classification because you've got the the burn trooper cops and burn trooper robot mm-hmm. stormtrooper type things. Well, you could Sentinels almost put and burn, burn you could almost put just burn tech on the, because that it's got its own a, character. That cover, yeah, you could definitely tell his stuff. Yeah, cool. So that's my honorable. Mention. My honorable mention is a little different. Um, Sabretooth, of course, is one of them. And, you know, the, the whole idea with Sabretooth goes back to the or his and Wolverine's origins and what it initially was. Mm-hmm. Because initially, as Byrne had imagined it, Sabretooth was Wolverine's father. Right. Rather than his brother or whatever you want to call that yeah. from there. Um, and it, you look at the character that he was in Iron Fist and his first couple appearances versus what they ultimately turned him into. And you've got a real interesting bad guy there. But uh, you know, definitely not, you know, he doesn't have as good a healing as Wolverine had, but he definitely had more more um, skills at killing than Wolverine did. Well, he, they, I guess they imply that he's been around long. Yeah. So uh, my next one, of course, was Vindicator. And I'm just talking James McDonald Hudson, uh, you know, as, as what he was. And I wish that they'd just done more with him. And I, I, I still to this day wish Byrne hadn't killed him. Yeah, I don't know, understand what, and I haven't really read up on why he killed him. He looked at the whole team, and he says he's the one you could get rid of and wouldn't necessarily be missed. He's the one that could pull right out of the team, and everybody else is still interesting. Yeah, that's true. He just didn't find yeah. him as interesting as the others. Yeah. I found him. I found him interesting because, you know, you sit there and you see what he created, and you realize this is a guy that sits somewhere between. He sits... At the same table as as Tony Stark and Hank Pym and you know those yeah. those other guys, um, but yeah, so it's, I've got him him on there as that, and then another one, and it, it looks like all these are Canadian, um, Madison Jeffries, and that's just I like the concept behind him and his powers, right? And we, we I just never got to see them come to fruition because he conceivably is one of the most powerful characters out there. But you know? yeah, other than him phasing into his robot, they didn't do much with him. Are you thinking about Roger Box? Yes. Uh, he was the one, he was the one that, that yeah could control the, the 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 technology and such. That's Box. Box. Who's but Matt? he 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 wasn't the one that went into the robot. I didn't think. Anyway, uh, uh, okay. But he was the one that that made uh, Courtney Delphi. Is that right? Delphine Courtney uh, basically throw herself up, turn inside out <laughs> there towards the end of Burns Run. 
Well, he's was he was he the one that can control like organic like? Um... No, it was more more technology. And see, now I've got to look it up because I was sitting there just thinking about that one issue alone. Because I thought Box could flight. control technology, and then his brother could control like organic. Um... And which one was it? That was pretty late in there. But um, and then my uh, last one was North Star. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's like I liked his, I liked the power set that he and Aurora initially had. I didn't like what they did with her, and I didn't like any of the changes they did with her. And obviously, after Burn left Alpha Flight, I don't like you know how they handled Northstar. You know, Manflo made him into a fairy and just completely sidestepped the whole gay thing and the possibility he had AIDS uh, out of fear. Um, but you know, again, I don't necessarily look at him as a really completely fleshed out character there was great concepts in there again with all these there was great concepts but because burn left the the, the book when he did and the other writers bill mantlow and others didn't necessarily really carry on with them the way that they, they should have that none of the characters were truly fleshed out properly and now he is simply a social justice you know poster boy yeah and so it doesn't matter what his powers are but, you know, again, this is a guy that was actually looked like he was part of a terrorist underground and looked like he'd killed some people early on. And, you know, he used his mutant powers for gain. He's definitely not necessarily the real hero type. You know, he was only there in Alpha Flight for his sister. And so, you know, there's a lot that was interesting in that. And he was more anti-hero than hero. So he's a very interesting character to look at. But they just kind of, you know, they, they didn't follow any of that. And so I feel like, uh, you know, we, we kind of got a, a disservice. Uh, let's see. But that's, I mean, that's my the last of mine on the uh, the honorable mention. But, you know, the thing is, is there's so many other characters that he created or was part of the creation that are really interesting. You know, the, the Great Lakes Avengers um, are kind of a joke. And I think he created them as a joke. But Mr. Immortal has gotten so popular that he's going to actually be in an upcoming TV series, as I understand it. One oh, of the, I, know that. He's, yeah, the I, I, I considered them for a while when I sat down and kind of was thinking like, I went over the list and I was thinking, well, what do I really like? And like next men didn't pop up because I, as much as I enjoyed them, it's like, well, there's nothing there that, that I, I really cared about. There were some that were, uh, weren't really his creations, but you know, I had a lot of fun with them. Uh, like I love the way he protected the super scroll, but that's not his creation. And so I, I kind of, that's why my, my list seems a little more narrowed. Cause like I pick a lot of alpha flight and all Marvel stuff, but there was I couldn't think of really anything other than Metallo in DC. I mean, I could say Superman. I love what he did with Man of Steel and from then on. But I mean, I guess he could he would deserve to be on because he 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 helped flesh out that character the way he did Wolverine, and She-Hulk. So I guess Superman might be on my honorable. Hmm. And you know, I never even for a moment considered Superman. I mean, obviously there were characters that were around Superman: Amazing Grace, Maggie Sawyer, um, Silver Banshee, of course, is by far the most popular yeah uh you know creation there and i find that interesting but you know uh, you know of course there's seg l who they used for the uh krypton series Hmm. um and then of course there was uh the ones he did with chris claremont you know the the hellfire club you know sebastian shaw and leyland and and pierce who of course he he modeled after donald uh, sutherland donald yeah pierce was donald sutherland shaw was sebastian shaw i mean uh, sebastian shaw was robert shaw you know, Quint from Jaws. And Leland was, um, um, what's his name? We have no wine before his time. 
uh, uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, I could have put them on there too. I, I, of that group, uh, Shaw is the only one that really kind of interests me. Uh, I don't like the White Queen. I know she's you know, very prominent in the books now, but I've never, she never did anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about her, her change, her turn, but then again, you can't keep characters. Characters do change. People change. Characters grow. So I shouldn't be complaining about, I want her to stay exactly forever. Right, right. Uh, what about what about Matrix, Supergirl? Yeah, it's an interesting. It's more of an interesting concept than anything you do with. Uh, I mean, you could actually put Lex Luthor on there because he kind of mm-hmm. really reinvented Lex Luthor. Mar- Marv Wolfman actually gets more credit for that. Really? Yeah. For for the businessman type instead of Marv. It was Marv that said Donald Trump uh, oh, as okay. a supervillain, and okay. and that's what and Byrne ran with it. But yeah. Marv Wolfman gets the credit for that. Yeah. Well, I mean that 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 kind of has laid the groundwork for the way Luther has been portrayed for the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman to an extent too. I mean, Byrne's influence reached pretty far, I guess, until the two. Well, they they've kind of gone back to that one though, haven't they? It was yeah. Rebirth, didn't they? Didn't they really I go back to did. the Byrne era Superman? I think they brought that back. They did they bring back the trunks? Uh, it, I, as I understand it, yeah, the trunks yeah, the are trunks back. Trunks are back. Uh, I'm not reading any of that new. I didn't read any yeah, of 52. Well, I'm, I'm I'm definitely not reading the Bendis stuff because, as I understand, he's he's getting rid of the Clark Kent alter ego. And I heard that. Yeah. This is again, you know, the the writers not knowing how to write Superman, and it, you know, falling into that stigma of oh, he's the big blue Boy Scout, and so therefore that's something that people don't want to read, you know, and and it shouldn't be as as Burns says a pejorative, you know, the it, Lex Luthor referred to him as a Boy Scout. Because it's Lex Luthor and Superman's a good guy, but that doesn't mean that everybody else should refer to him as the Big Blue Boy Scout. No, and I... for anybody that says you can't write a good Superman movie, someone made a good Shazam movie that people went and liked. And yeah. so, I mean, if you can make that, you can make Superman. Yeah, but 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 you consider the level of humor in Shazam appropriate for a Superman movie? Kind of goes uh, uh, skews a little young. Yeah, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I see what you mean. I see what, it doesn't have to be super dark. I mean, take right. take, take the Superman that we saw at the end of Justice League and well, make, the, a, the, make a movie out of that. Yeah, the Superman from the moment where he says, well, on to the end, that's the Superman. And, and it, they showed us at the very beginning with those kids and the, mm-hmm. the that, were, that were getting that for their podcast. Yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah. Oh, man. What about um, in, in some of these surprised me realizing that they, that Byrne had a hand in creating Mariko Yoshida. Uh, uh, that falls in with what kind of Wolverine's background, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, there are some like Moses Magnum. I like that character. He's got an interesting. I think he's he's used. I've only but, read that one series he's in, but yeah, but Moses Magnum was around before uh, X Men. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Claremont or Byrne gets credit for that. Oh, okay. Well then. Uh... Now Byrne does get credit for Bushmaster. I think yeah, Bushmaster. He get he gets credit for Bushmaster from uh Daredevil. Uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, okay. Then he cross over into Daredevil? Uh he might have, but that... he was primarily a Power Man and Iron Fist. Well, I mean, he started off as a, as a as a Luke Cage villain. Maybe I'm thinking about Bushwhacker. The guy with a gun is as an arm? Is that is that Bushwhacker? That's Bushwhacker, yeah. Okay. And that was that was yeah, Rick that... Leonardi character. That that's Rick Leonardi character there. Yeah. And the Chenti, yeah. uh, Baron Blood, Burn, and I guess Roger Stern get get uh, credit for creating him and Union Jack. Uh, Burn gets, of course, credit for Avalanche, Arcade, the Scott Lang Ant Man. Though he says he was just the art robot there. Yeah, 
I thought about arcade, but again, it's more of an interesting concept, but he's got such a place in time when the books were that. I had a dream that they made a movie with arcade going up against the X-Men and Carrot Top played arcade. It'd be a... It's just scary. Yeah. (laughs) That might work, you know? Yeah. And then um, he gets credit for the grapplers. Do you remember that from Marvel 2 on 1? No, the grapplers? Yeah, they were the Women's Wrestling League. Oh. <laughs> was that what? Oh, that's what uh, when Ben Grimm was wrestling. Yeah, Mark Grunewald actually he gets uh, shared credit for that. Well, I think about... he also helped create uh, Iron Dragon from Marvel Team Up. The Steel Serpent. Steel Serpent and Iron Dragon. Yeah. Um, Stevie Hunter, Jaron Hogarth, which that, that one's a surprise. Um, Ganthet, of course. Ganthet, but yeah, again, that wasn't. I, I would have put Omac on there because I love the Omac issue. Yeah. But of course, he didn't create Omac and he didn't do yeah. anything else. Now, what about it. like Destiny and Avalanche and Pyro? She can't, he, he can't get credit for Mystique or for Blob, obviously, because Blob was Kirby and, and yeah. Lee. But Mystique was created by Cockrum and Claremont from Miss mm-hmm. Marvel series. They were, I, I mean, those, they're all. I mean, they're all great villains. B-list. Yeah. None of them, you know, necessarily would have stood out for anything. Um, yeah. I mean, I would put the Ringer on there before that, and I don't think the Ringer is his creation. I don't think the Ringer is his creation, but no. you want to hear something funny about the Ringer? He was actually one of the few guys that escaped death at the hands of the Scourge, which Byrne is actually credited as part of the creator for that. But yeah, yeah, apparently the, the Ringer survived the uh, shooting at the bar that killed all those other guys and someone got him and they made him a different superpower villain and he got killed on his first <laughs> first time out of as whatever he was after that I forget what they called him but i thought that was funny all right yeah um let's see lethal legion that's from the uh that's from that avengers three issue nefarious storyline magpie of course we all know yeah hey. master of the world remember him yeah, and I almost put him in there, but he was kind of, he's more of a equivalent. He's a Vandal Savage kind of yeah. analog. Oh, with worse, worse um, facial etiquette, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Omega Red. Now, that's from the X-Men run, right? Yeah, but I don't remember him ever working on... Omega must Red. Was, must have been he was writing it, drawing it. Yeah, well, see, that, that's the thing. They don't have Bishop on here. Because he wrote the Bishop stories. I was never a big he, fan of Bishop. He was, uh, but he was a, he was just the scripter. He didn't write the story write himself. The story. Jim Lee. So just Jim write, Lee. Yeah. Just write Jim dialogue. Lee would basically you know do everything. He'd write it. And, I mean, he would draw it out, plot it out, and give it to Byrne, and then Byrne would just script it. Yeah. So Byrne gets credit for Bishop, but I mean that was really all Jim Lee. So I don't understand why. The, and Omega Red actually came. Earlier, didn't he? It, uh, I can't remember. I, it was when much because wasn't Cyclops at one time called Omega Red, or was he something else? I'm, I'm, I'm maybe no, missing. no, no. That's um, um, he disguised himself once as Eric the Red. Eric the Red. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Oh. Of, yeah. Well, there's a Rampage from DC, the fem- the Orange She Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that, but or the which I know he's not a, a cre- he didn't create it. The what's the big monkey? Tit- uh, Titano. Titano, which I Titano has been around for yeah, forever. that's not his creator yeah. creation. Right. Well, I mean, you could you could always I'll probably list the um. But Roger Stern wrote that story though. Oh, the annual that, that the annual? annual. Yeah, Roger Stern wrote it. Ron Friends did the art. Oh, I thought Byrne did the um uh, uh, the, I the so. story. No, he didn't do the artwork. You I could, could probably wrong. include the uh the three uh Phantom Zone villains from the Superman twenty two mm. once he kills them because that's a new take on Zod. So probably he didn't create Zod. Now, 
Tessa. You remember Tessa from the Hellfire Club? Uh-huh. She was she became a villain called Sage. Oh. And so they're giving Byrne cre- creator right for that. So that's Claremont and Byrne, but that's taking her that far that had nothing to do with him. Yeah. I mean, he's he's touched a lot that you could really put many more characters on here. You know, even characters maybe fleshed out. Uh, well, he you well, could... Uh, what's her name? Uh, what was uh, Johnny's girl wife? Uh, uh, Alicia. Alicia, you know. I'm sure he him on, put her in there. Nova. 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 I mean, not Frankie Ray, but Nova. Yeah. Because he didn't create Frankie Ray. I think Marv Wolfman created it. Maybe, maybe he... I don't know if he gets partial credit for that or not. But um, Shadow King, you know, remember Amul Farouk? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, they he and Claremont did the one story with him. And as far as Berm is concerned, boom, they killed him. He's dead. But Claremont kept bringing him back and bringing him <laughs> back and bringing him uh, back. But uh, the initial story was his. Sleaze. I remember Sleaze from... Uh, but I think he was only in those two issues, right? Where with, Miss, with Big Bard and Mr. Miracle... Oh, I... he's the one that was trying to get Superman and her to do porn. Oh, yeah, that guy. Wasn't he kind yeah. of a, a takeoff on Stanley? Or my no, of, uh... no, no. You said well, Sleaze was a short, green, globby thing that came out of Apocalypse. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. What about um, Spider Woman? There's two Spider Womans on this list: Charlotte Witter and Maddie Franklin. Neither of them is the one that I remember. I thought it was Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew is the original one. And then there was the one from Secret Wars. That was name was her name was Shannon. Something. Yeah. Let me see if it's costume. either. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we're in the black costume and uh, no, Charlotte Witter is a super villain. Maddie Franklin is she's got multiple legs and webbing coming out of her arms. And that's not the one. It's her. Julie Carpenter. Julie Carpenter is the one from the Secret Wars. Yeah. And okay. yeah. But yeah, it's like Jessica Drew is the first one. Yeah, there's four of them, and John Byrne gets credit for two of them. Be- uh, okay, because it was Howard Mackey and John Byrne working on Amazing Spider-Man, so that that makes sense. Huh? I mean, it's it's an interesting list, and you know, this is something we could go on forever. I think um, Steel Serpent. That was one you were talking about earlier. Rachel Summers, of course. Uh, Swarm from his days in Champions. Terminus. That is the most boring villain. <laughs> well, I, I almost I thought about Tundra, but he's kind of the same. And they don't even have that listed here. Yeah, he's just a huge, massive Earth. Oh, they did list Kristoff. He was under V because his last name is Bernard. Oh. But they got Union Jack. That's the Joseph Chapman version. Amanda Waller, Wild Child, and of course Cassie Sandsmark, Wonder Girl. And of course, none of this covers anything that he created in Generations. Yeah, I, did, I thought about going into Generations, but... I, you know, I think that maybe maybe later this year we'll do a Generations thing. I know maybe you, you want to cover it. Yeah, we can... We can get, with, get, with the, get with the interns and... Yeah, well, that'd be a good... Be a good maybe uh, a, a summer, summer project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, overall, great list. Great, yeah. uh, great discussion there. And uh, we've only been on for like, you know, an hour and a half. Yeah, well, we've Woo-hoo. actually we've been on for two hours. Yeah, but back. we talked before then. That, that's true. They, they that's don't true. know about that. Yeah. So now they're going to go, wait, what didn't they tell us? Secret plan. What about, Secret plan. What about, yeah, but what about you guys? What are your favorite characters that he created? I mean, and, and, and you can do like Tim did where you can just sit there and say something that Burns appropriated and, you know, uh, made it his own. Because he does that with a lot of characters. He puts a strong stamp on on some things and really makes you see them differently. Because, and, and neither of us brought this up, 
and it really bears discussion. The Invisible Woman is by far the most affecting character that he ever worked on. And that's including Superman because he turned her from being, you know, the, the, the victim of the fantastic four into the most powerful character that they have. And, and just, he, he turned that character on her ear, made her the same woman and yet completely different Mm -hmm. all at the same time, because, you know, she realized that her powers gave her so much more capabilities than, than you know conceived of before his run on there and yet it was organic it was well to- well told as a story uh if you look at the the like the the that one issue with franklin richards where he grows up and everything you can see her and you can see just how much she's changed as a character and yet she's still the same person so i think you know Byrne gets a lot of credit for what he did with her character during his run there yeah hmm. You got any other thoughts? Uh, nope, nope. I thought it was a these are kind yep. of nice little kind of palate cleanser. We do some, I guess, instead of covering a book, we just get to talk about. You know, there's no rules to it. We talk about what we want to talk about. I really want to know what the listeners think. What the what what, what the listeners think of their favorite characters he's created or yeah. or that he's yeah. appropriated or or whatever. Please, you know, go ahead and write in. You you can say something on Facebook, and if we really like it, we'll read it out here. Yeah. Or write us at gotta get burned at gmail or uh, you can Twitter it to us, and we might might see it. I don't know. You can put it in an iTunes review or yeah, whatever they're that calling would be that. Great. Now. Yeah, put uh, your list iTunes, in the iTunes review. Apple Podcasts. We, we we got four out there. We need a lot more, and we need like ones with five stars. Throw some extra stars in there if you can, because <laughs> you know just really if if you do give us a good review, it gets us exposure. More people can listen to us, and and you know. That's that's always a good thing. We can find more burn fans. God knows we need them. We're starting to die off. <laughs> no, we just keep bringing them. Up. We just keep bringing them on the show. Yeah. Now, uh, I would really like uh, sometime in the next few months to cover one issue of X Men Elsewhere, and um, I, I think that the current issue, issue eight, is one that is just ripe for discussion. There's so much going on in it, and so many different things uh, crossover with the Avengers. And it is the best Avengers team you can imagine. But there is one point in there that I saw just the other day that made me go, wait a minute. And I really want to discuss this with somebody. So, uh, you know, everybody go go to burnrobotics.com and read that in the fan fiction section. And uh, there's eight issues out there, seven of which are complete. The eighth one is, is almost to its end. I think it ends this Friday or sometime this week. Um, he's doing a page a day. He, he's putting out a page a day. He's gotten all the most of this done months ago, and I think he's got over twenty issues done. That's great. Well, but we might we can cover that on the next show. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Anyway, so go ahead and uh, check it out. Check it out, Tim, and and, and uh, let me know. I know yeah, you haven't caught, caught up on it yet. Yeah, I've been re- I've been reading it every day. Just <laughs> every morning as I'm getting ready for work and I'm getting my PC and everything turned on, that's the first thing I do is go to his website and see if he's posted the page yet. And I'm, I'm rarely ever disappointed. And when, when I say I'm disappointed, it's usually because, oh, it's Wednesday, he finished the issue, and the next one doesn't start till Monday. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because he's doing a, a book a month, and, you know, he just starts first page on the first Monday of the month. And so, you know, there's usually about 20-plus pages of story, and so once it ends, you know, it's only he's only putting them out on Monday through Friday, Friday. We get the weekends off. So you get five pages a week. And then, you know, it's like hopefully you just 
get that perfect, okay, it's Friday, it's the end of that issue, Monday picks up on the next one, but it rarely ever works that way. But, uh, yeah, it's it's quite enjoyable. It's like taking a a step back in time, and right now we're visiting with some old friends. That's great. I'm I'm about to find the time to check them out, so because you've had nothing but glowing reports about them. There's a guy on the on the burn victims Facebook group who has been taking each issue and converting it into a PDF. So you can read it like a comic book, you know, on your tablet or smartphone or whatever. And, uh, that way you can get them all collected. I mean, you can go to his and look at it page by page, but you can get kind of bored, you know, uh, you, you can w- wipe out your, uh, mouse finger, uh, <laughs> wear out your mouse finger if you try to read in that way, but still, um, yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff, and it's exciting every day to sit there and know you're seeing brand new Burn X-Men. And cool. I just can't think of much that's better in that regard. Anyway, uh, I think I said everything I wanted to say tonight, and I, I'm, I'm actually itching to get over to my wife so we can watch the next episode of The Outsider. There you go. And that's that's all. That's a good series, yeah, Stephen I've, King I've, series. I've heard, uh, yeah, my mom said she's been watching and enjoying it. Well, I, I've got nothing else, so if... Uh... If you've got nothing else, I think we can sign off. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been a blast tonight. Always um, fun. Always look fun. Look forward to doing it again. And um, you get to pick next time, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll think of something. Okay. Excellent. And uh, do we get any homework for the interns? No, I don't think so. Let them off. Let them off. Well, Easy. Well, hold on a second. You guys got anything you want to do? <laughs> nope. Nothing there. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, everybody have a, a great month. Uh, for Third Degree Burn, I'm Brian Hughes. Uh, and I'm Tim Elliott. Good night. Good night. You guys are snobs. No, we're not. No, seriously, you're totally elitist. You feel like the unappreciated scholars, so you're shit on the people who know less than you. No. no which is everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's just sad. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.